You're listening to This Week in Fantasy Baseball. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, John Kuh. It's going to be a solo pod today. Uh, Lee, unfortunately, is not available, but we are going to be going back to our regular on-season schedule uh, coming next episode. Uh, we're going to be posting instead on Saturdays instead of Fridays and uh, going back to our kind of regular mode of talking about pitcher and hitter performances while also still continuing to interview writers from the site. On this off-season episode, we're going to be interviewing Tanner McGrath, uh, who's a writer at PitcherList, and talking about his article on Tarek Skubal. Uh, definitely a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, you'll want to definitely check out the interview as well as his article. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, but before we get into it, I just want to give a quick breakdown of all the things happening on PitchList uh, that you might have missed. Um, if you've been checking the site, you'll know that we just launched PLX a couple of weeks ago. That included rankings for the top 400 starting pitchers from Nick Pollock, top 300 pitchers from Scott Chu, and the top 50 closers and top 100 relievers for save plus holds leagues from Rick Graham. A lot of stuff that you definitely should check out as you're prepping for drafts. In addition, we have plenty of content covering pitchers and hitters to target if you're looking for something specific in your traps. In addition, if you have access with PL Pro, you'll have our updated 2024 player projections, live draft assistant tool, plus a ton more stuff. So definitely go check that out if you want some extra help in your upcoming drafts. Before we get into this meaty interview, just a reminder that you can follow our podcast on Twitter at ThisWeekPL, and you could send us your fantasy baseball questions to our email at thisweekplpod at gmail.com. Lastly, make sure that you subscribe to or follow the podcast on whatever streaming platform that you listen to. We're on all of them, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and leave a five-star review if you enjoy the show. All right, without further ado, here's our interview with Pitchless writer Tanner McGrath. All right, we're back, and joining the pod now is Pitcherless writer Tanner McGrath. Welcome to the show, Tanner. How are you going I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Excited to uh, join the first Pitcher List podcast since I joined the writing staff. So this is a, a big moment for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, first article to uh, Tariq Skubal, who pretty hot name. Uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of up and uh, a lot of velocity. I think in terms of draft boards for for Skubal, at least since uh, last season. But before we dive into all of that. Uh, why don't you just give a quick introduction to, you know, listeners on how you got involved in writing about baseball and, uh, you know, favorite team or, you know, even fantasy baseball, just, you know, what, what's been your experience with the, the game of baseball? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll try to make it as short as possible. Um, I, I went to McGill university in Montreal, Quebec after growing up in Vermont. Um, I always wanted to be a journalist. And so I started writing, um, for the school newspaper there. I became the editor of the finance and economics section. I ended up going to journalism school at University of British Columbia, trying to study uh, finance journalism, actually. That didn't pan out. I became a burnout dropout. And uh, when I dropped out, I s started my own uh, baseball gambling blog. And that okay. led to a couple of um, low-level baseball gambling um, writing jobs. And I just kind of worked my way up the poll, you know, writing more and more for different outlets. I've been published in, you know, you name the newspaper. I've been there. Uh, eventually I got a full-time job with right now. I'm working with the action network where I cover baseball and college basketball full time. And, uh, while I do that mostly on the gambling side, I'm also trying to expand my journalism portfolio to more general baseball coverage, which is what I plan on doing here at PitcherList. I'm hoping to have a 
weekly column on you know deep dive player player breakdowns, excuse me, like the one I did with Scooble, um, other such baseball analysts, you know, analysis. And um, it's been a wild ride, and I just am really thankful to be here covering this beautiful game. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a busy time for you, I'm sure, with uh, spring training. Just starting. Well, basically time for all of us, really, because spring mm-hmm. trading starting, but you also have March Madness to, to throw into that. So, Oh, yeah, it's uh, fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, definitely an exciting time. Well, all right, let's jump into this article, which uh, if if you haven't read it yet, it's a doozy. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff here, a lot of tables, a lot of graphics, um, videos, just honestly, a uh, really good deep dive into Scooble and you know what he could possibly do this season. But I want to take a step back and and take a look at Scooble just kind of from a from a bigger picture. I I'm a Twins fan, so I'm well aware of Scooble seeing having faced you know having having him face uh, the Twins you know from when he was a rookie. Uh, but he, he didn't really you know surprise me that much back when he he debuted. That being said, 2023 big season for him. What was his prospect pedigree like? before all this hype started, you know, what did people think about Scooble in terms of, you know, his potential and was this really, was this outcome really ever something that could come to the imagination when you thought about him back in those days? So, you know, Scooble, he was a, he was a fairly highly rated prospect, uh, ninth round pick in 2018 after throwing for uh, Seattle U and the WAC, uh, go Red Hawks. But there were some concerns about him coming through, coming out of college, uh, mostly because he went through Tommy John in 2017, pitched to sure. like a 2.7 ERA in 2016, but then a 4.1 in 2018. Still, his strikeout upside was really high. He had 12K per, per nine in his senior year, 70 grade, mid 90s heater. He really broke out in 2019, uh, crushed it at High A Lakeland and Double A Erie. Uh, struck out 82 batters across 42 AA innings that year. Jumped from a top 40 prospect to a top 25. Ended up as the team's fourth best prospect upon graduation in 2021. And he ended up outperforming Detroit's number one pick from that year, Casey Mize. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting, though, about his development is that he was known really well for his curveball in the minors, which is now just like his fifth pitch. He throws it like 6% of the time. And either way, he worked his way into a mid-rotation spot during the COVID season, and he struggled. I mean, you know, his largest sample size season now uh, is from 2021, pitched to a 5.6 expected ERA across 150 innings, had a terrible home run problem, which was really troubling considering, you know, Comerica is a pitcher's park, lowest home run factor in the majors. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he improved mightily in 2022. As he changed his arsenal, he really started leaning into that changeup and his hard slider more that year. And, you know, he just he got a little better and a little better as he worked um, on his the way he approached the art of pitching. Still, it, it's hard to imagine anyone expected his propulsion into this, which was, you know, a low twos expected ERA 2023 season across 80 innings. You know, uh, in summary, Scooble's history is really about he was a decent prospect who showed kind of an above average learning curve um, and a willingness to adjust and develop. And he's basically exceeded everyone's expectations at almost every stop on his way to what could be, you know, ace level status in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just think it's really interesting how, you know, some people want to chalk this up to small sample size, but like you mentioned, like it's like 80, almost 80 innings. Like that's, that's a pretty significant part of a season. Um, you know, it's it's about 
about half, you know, 40% if you really want to be a stickler. Um, so it, it's not like he just had a, like three good starts. You know, this was pretty consistent performance throughout 2023. Yeah, I think people are always a little skeptical when a guy comes back from injury and then all of a sudden blows up, has, mm-hmm. you know, 10 amazing starts because th- we see that all the time. And then, you know, pitchers end up regressing back to their career averages. But as we'll, as we'll talk about a little bit more throughout the course of this episode, mm-hmm. his, his improvements are really based upon underlying changes to his um, mechanics and arsenal. And his statistics are really backed up by pristine underlying statistical and batted ball profile. So I really don't think this is the type of guy that will suddenly crash after one good half season. I think that there is room for not necessarily growth, but um, consistency across, you know, hopefully a long major league baseball career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you alluded this to a little, a little bit already, but yeah, there was basically one of the big changes for him. Mechanically speaking, probably was, was his fastball because it gained two ticks in velo, right? That that's kind of the, the sexy thing that everyone sees is like, oh yeah, it was it was faster. But I the one thing I want to focus on is is what you mentioned in the article about where he was actually throwing that fastball. Uh it's it's a little bit it was a little bit different between 2022 and 2023. Um is it wasn't just higher velocity that helped it, but also where he was locating that pitch. Um how did you basically see that change in location help improve the quality of that, that pitch for, for Scooble. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the big thing is still the increased velocity. You know, Mm -hmm. when you throw harder, you miss more bats. It makes your secondary pitches better. That's it. But it's when digging into his um, case, it's funny to see that the stuff plus model is not very bullish on his force. I mean, uh, he, he had a 106 mark in 2020, and then it dropped to 91 in 2021, 85 mm-hmm. in 2022, and 94 in 2023. But the location plus um, part of that model, the mark on that pitch increased substantially. Uh, he hovered around you know 100, which is league average, in his first three seasons in the league, only to jump to 106 last year. And you, know, you kind of partially said it. He never missed high anymore. He didn't mm-hmm. miss above the zone, and he never missed middle-middle which really helped his home run problem. Like, as I mentioned, he had a huge um, homer problem. He allowed 22 homers on the heater in 2021 with a 313 slugging allowed on middle, middle fastballs. He hit middle, middle around 11% of uh, four seam throws only allowed four homers on the heater in 2023 hit middle, middle on closer to like 8% of four seams. Instead, he really dotted that upper inside corner, especially Mm -hmm. against fellow Southpaws. And while that's, you know, that's all good just from, you know, locating your fastball is better. I think the most important consequence of the better location was more sequence based. Now, he generated a 76% strike rate on the four scene, third among all major league fastballs. He generated a 69% first pitch strike rate. That's up from 63% in the prior season. And that allowed him to generate early strikes with his fastball, get ahead in counts, and then keep his secondary pitches lower and out of the zone to force more misses late in counts, you know, especially in pitchers counts. Mm-hmm. And you really saw that with his slider this year, um, which again, he adjusted during his injury hiatus to try and keep more depth on the pitch. Like in the past, he got into trouble with the slider because it didn't break enough. It turned into this like hard cutter, like pitcher that basically just got shelled whenever it didn't, you know, whenever he, he missed middle, middle essentially. Sure. Yeah. 
But the vertical the vertical break on that pitch jumped in 2022 and 2023. And because he started throwing those fastballs high dotted, mm-hmm. he ended up throwing his slider low and away more in later counts. So, you know, in 2023, he ended up posting a career low zone rate, a career high low location rate, and a career high two strike chase rate on the slider. And so in essence, he dotted his fastball for strikes early and then was able to get hitters to chase those secondary offerings for strikeouts late in counts. I mean, it mm-hmm. simultaneously upped his strikeout rates and cut his walk rates. He had a career low four and a half percent walk rate in 2023. And that's yeah. just a recipe for success. Yeah. So it's interesting that you, you, you mentioned it. it's it's not just the pitch alone, which I mean, we, we talk a lot about on this show and I mean, pitching in general, it's like you can't just see things in a vacuum. It was, it was, you know, the way you saw it, Alicia, it's, it's how the fastball played off with the slider and, and the pitch separation between the two, um, which, yeah, I think that's, that's super interesting to dig into because it's not just that he's, you know, not throwing meatballs down the middle. It's, it's how it's also developing his other pitches. Um, I really like this line that you have in the article where it's like, he didn't add any ride movement or spin to the pitch, right? That's the things that people love to see. His extension was still the same, but the increased velocity, obviously really helpful there, but then how he's able to use that pitch in concert with his other pitches, I think is um, something that, you know, isn't something you can point to as like luck base, right? That's, that's very much this mechanics and the strategy of pitching for him. You know, that's something that you can definitely carry into this upcoming season. Yeah. Every, everything is connected, right? I mean, and, mm-hmm. and everything for so many pitchers starts on the fastball. And, and if you don't have a, a major league fastball, it's often where it's like, you can't pitch in this league because right. you need to, you need to have the heat to keep up with hitters. And then you can use that to um, mess with their timing. Right. And, um, you know, you mentioned that he didn't add any ride or um, that, that line in the article, you know, he didn't mm-hmm. make many big changes really. Um, I found that from uh, the athletic article by Cody Stavenhagen. He, he made like some, some very subtle mechanical adjustments that just allowed the velocity to become to come easier. I mean, it was just, it was really, really simple and it changed everything. Yeah. That's, that's definitely really cool to see how the physics nerd in me is like a little bit like, Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of fun. You you mentioned the slider. I, I will get back to that, but I think the big thing when you look at his pitch mix, when you, you know, don't, don't talk when you, after the fastball is the increase in usage on this changeup that, that he had um 14.9% to 24.5%. Um I was just looking at the stuff metrics for this changeup using, you know, PLV and what we've got. It's it's actually a pretty average pitch. It's only 53rd percentile uh in terms of PLV among all all pitchers who who throw changeups, but um I know sometimes just with breaking balls in in general or just you know non-fastballs really in general. Some sometimes these stuff metrics are a little more not prescriptive or you know that it's not as helpful to look at those things so when you look at the results though they're kind of crazy right 91st percentile strike rate 99th percentile swinging strike rate 100 percentile csw the results kind of speak for themselves why did this pitch kind of just leap off the board this season yeah and you know to start you mentioned it and not to dog on plv or stuff plus or any of those mm-hmm. models but these advanced pitch quality models, they really struggle to accurately profile changeups, and they struggle more to accurately um, profile and quantify southpaw changeups. Hmm. So I really take those with a grain of salt. And so when you look at 
scoop like scoops change up um just the the results based it's always been a nasty pitch i mean yeah. uh, he had a 50 percent whiff rate on it in 2021 had a 27% swinging strike rate on the pitch in 2022 and I'll, I'll get back to those in a second but something that does not get talked about enough is Scoobles' batted ball profile on the pitch and in general. Um, he is not a hard-throwing, hard-contact guy like a Spencer Strider, right? Where mm-hmm. either the pitch is a, a whiffs by the guy, blows by batters, or it gets shelled when contact is made into deep left center. Scoobles' changeup in 2023 produced a 63% ground ball rate and yeah. an 85-mile-per-hour average exit velocity with zero barrels. Zero. And that fueled him to a sparkling batted ball profile, a career high ground ball rate, a career low home run per nine, a career low hard contact rate, 27%, which was seventh among pitchers with at least 80 innings pitched last year. He kept his uh, expected average under 200, his barrel rate under 5%, his average launch angle under 10 degrees, sweet spot rate under 25%. So it's not like Scooble is just this high strikeout upside guy. He forces whiffs and then induces weak contact. And I mm-hmm. love that combination in pitchers. It's why I love um, like young guys like Brian Bayo in Boston, like guys that can just that have that uh, duality. From a general pitch perspective, it's not like the changeup is some kind of nasty pitch, right? Slight drop. The vertical break on the pitch has actually declined pretty um, precipitously over the past few years. You know, it's got mm-hmm. some glove side break. I think the key is though. It tunnels really well with his fastball, and it has really good late break. And a big part about that is that the increased velocity on his fastball meant that there was a bigger velocity differential between the two pitches, mm-hmm. which is so important yeah. because they play off each other, right? Like, and it, if you have a, a changeup and a fastball that are going the same speed, I mean, they're, they're the same pitch, right? Hitters can hit it. Um, so the key ended up being that he just threw it more. He he utilized it more. He um, re- and he really utilized it more, like he did with his slider late in counts. Posted a career high thirty two percent put away percentage on that change in twenty twenty three. That was the fourth highest mark among major league changeups with minimum fifty plate appearances. Thirty five of his three hundred thrown changeups produced a plate appearance ending strikeout. I mean, he just you know I I see this so often in pitchers that make rapid improvements he just threw his best pitch more like it sometimes it's just as simple as that yeah it's it's actually kind of stark how if you look at the ground ball rate comparison between 2022 2023 it's goes from 46 percent to 63% uh, which is a huge jump you know that's basically below average to to well above average um and it kind of shows that like yeah if you it it like you said, it didn't change too much mechanically speaking or in, in its shape, but in concert with that fastball, it becomes more effective, gets, you know, more top hits, so to speak. Um, yeah, got hitters ahead, a, a right? Yeah, like like exactly. swinging ahead of the pitch so they couldn't make as accurate of contact or as hard of contact, which led to more ground balls, more weak contacts. Right. Yeah. Worked great. Yeah. The like the launch angle, which I mean, average launch angle, it is what it is. It's not necessarily the the perfect stat to look at, but it seven point seven degrees in twenty twenty two, two point five degrees in in uh twenty twenty three. Like that, yeah. that in and of itself is like kind of impressive to see just how different the ball was kind of coming off the bat when he was throwing this change up. Yeah, and um, it's you know it's it's it, like you said, it's not the perfect stat, but like overall, it gives you a good feel of 
where the ball is going in the field. And the fact of the matter is when hitters hit that changeup, it was going into the ground. So I, I kind of want to take a look at this slider then that Skibble has because he relied on it a lot in 2022, uh, 30% usage, and then brought it down to 20%. But kind of like you mentioned, it started becoming a bit more effective um, compared to uh, in how it worked with his other pitches, I should say, um, in in compared to years past. So from that, the slider, was it kind of just like how it played off the fastball that made it, you know, that much more interesting of a pitch, so to speak? Because I'm looking at the metrics and like all the metrics kind of like go down a little bit, which maybe part of that might be just decreased usage. So sometimes, you know, you're the, the amount of times that you're able to get swing strikes goes down as well. Um, but how would you say Scooble uses that slider effectively to like kind of help, you know, the strikeout rate and, um, and you know, that, that overall CSW number. Yeah. So like I mentioned before, um, Scooble's in the past Scooble slider, he got in trouble with the pitch because there wasn't enough depth to it. Mm-hmm. And it turned into that hard cutter like pitch that he would leave over the middle. And one of the biggest problems he had with it is that he threw it way too often to right-handed batters. And so he would throw, it, it was basically like throwing a, a lefty cutter to a righty in the middle of the plate and it would just get smacked around. Mm-hmm. Now it, it's not, it's still not a perfect pitch, but what he was able to do is that he significantly limited the usage of it. Yeah. It's it's interesting when you look at the metrics on um I'm just looking at the metrics on the on his pitchless player page and it's like it really grades out as like a pretty average pitch in terms of metrics. Like all all the percentiles are hovering like between forty and sixty percent. Um but then you go look at what you mentioned, two strike O swing rate. 31%. That's a five, 6% jump from last season, 74th percentile. Like he's clearly using it in, he's choosing to use it in more advantageous situations for himself. And like you said, just, you know, use your worst pitch less. And I think that's, um, you know, just, you know, maturity in his, his strategy and, and seeing how he's, he's finding the pitches that work for him. And um, again, kind of speaking to how this is less of a, you know, luck thing and more of a, he's kind of figuring it out a little bit more on how to pitch and how to attack batters. Yeah. And you know, it, you look across his arsenal. It, yeah. The, the fastball was, was really the only pitch that, that changed inherently, he, you mm-hmm. know, he threw it harder, but so much of his um, improvements just come from his uh, approach, just the yeah. way he approaches the art of pitching. And, the way he's adjusted his arsenal as he's done throughout his entire career, you know, he's been willing mm-hmm. to adjust and it seems like he finally found a really good mix for a lefty. You know, he, he attacks, he attacks lefties with high inside fastballs and low and away sliders. He attacks righties with um, front door sinkers and changeups and just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's so approach based and mm-hmm. it, that, you know, it, it, it shows that he's, He's smart. He yeah, he has the stuff, but he's using it now in the right way and it's been effective. Right. All right, so I'm going to pretend to be contrarian here for a little bit uh just because hey, might as well, right? Try to figure out what 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 might prevent someone from from drafting Scooble. Uh I will say you, you just look at his numbers from last year, they're insane and you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but top 5 granted over, you know, 
uh, an 80 innings pitched sample, but that's still significant. Top five in whip, strikeout, swinging strike rate, CSW, uh, ideal contact rate. He's 11th in ERA and walk rate. Uh, just incredible numbers off the board there. But if there's something that, you know, I want to nitpick on and, you know, stats are fun to nitpick on because you just point to a number. It's like, oh, that's low. And, you know, it, it's not always the, the best way to approach some of these things. You mentioned the ground ball rate, which is elite. Uh, 56%, right? I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 55%. A little, a little lower, 50, 52. Something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he does play in Detroit, which according, I was looking at fan graphs and like, I think it was looking at UZR over 150. Uh, second worst defensive team in the majors last season. Um, he also tends to give up, you know, we talked with uh, uh, Director of Data Analytics, uh, Kyle Bland, in our last episode about mistake rate and just this idea of like throwing more hittable pitchers in the zone can sometimes lead to, you know, worse outcomes for pitchers. Uh, he had basically an 11% mistake rate last year, basically not a good number in terms of his, you know, hit ability. Um, I think part of that may be influenced by the fact that you, you mentioned fastball's kind of up uh, in the zone. He's, you know, locating that a little bit better. Uh, he's able to get away with, you know, more breaking pitches that are kind of down and away, but sometimes he may, he might leave them in the zone too much or something like that. Uh, I don't know all the particulars behind it, but I do know it's a general understanding for hit ability. So couple that all, all those things together, high ground ball rate, bad defense behind him, tendency to throw pitches that are a little bit more hittable based on advanced metrics. Um, what's your response to people who like point to those things and say, Hey, uh, the AL Central and really the rest of the teams have had a full offseason to scout Scooble and, and know what what his approach is. How is he actually going to, you know, stay consistent with the the metrics that he had last season? Look, I can I can understand any skepticism. As I mentioned at the top of the pod, um, you know, guy puts together one unreal eighty inning, inning sample size. Mm-hmm. He's bound to return to career averages. We've seen it too many times. But Scooble, look, he. I'll respond to your specific critiques, but from yeah. a general perspective, he made legitimate changes to his arsenal, his approach, and his decision-making. He made mm-hmm. mechanical changes to increase velocity. And by the way, reports are out from this week that he touched yeah. 100 in batting practice yep. this week. So yeah. imagine that. Um, and he's sitting, I think, like, what, two miles an hour faster or something he, ridiculous? Too, look, or... he, he regularly hit 98 last year. Like, I, yeah. he, 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 I, I put in the article, his fastest pitch was like 98-1 to get Brett Phillips swinging. Mm. So he, he's got it in him. Question is, can he do it over, um, you know, 150 innings? But right. yeah. anyways, um, he added depth to his slider. He threw it against righty. He stopped throwing it against righties. He threw it to lefties. Um he threw his sinkers more against righties as a front door pitch. He used his changeup more. These are all legitimate changes that show advancement. It's mm-hmm. not like his regular old style produced a random sample size result. And actually, it's it's not even like he's been running all that well. I mean, his 290 Babbitt over the last two seasons is not crazy low, especially considering that ground ball rate. And yes, I understand your skepticism about the Tigers infield, but I think the statistics there are a little messy. Mm-hmm. Um, 22nd in infield outs above average, which is not good, but not awful. Eighth in infield defensive runs saved last year. Um, and you know, the, the Tigers defense never really bit him 
he had exactly zero outs above average when he was in the mound going for him. So it's not like he had any um, fielding, um, you know, variance involved yeah. in that. Mm-hmm. He and you know he forces really weak contact as mentioned. So it's not like these are really hard ground balls coming at bad fielders. And the improvement in his home run avoidance has been astounding. You know, over the last two seasons or so, like he allowed. I think it was 35 home runs, like 22 of them came in Comerica in 2021. And now that problem's like completely gone and he'll still benefit from pitching at Comerica, the pitcher's part. Mm-hmm. His 67% left on base rate, by the way, is actually crazy low. Seventh lowest mark among starting pitchers with at least 180 innings over the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. He could actually see some positive regression in that area, which is a very scary thought. Instead, you know, his results are, they're based, like I said, on real changes and a sparkling underlying statistical profile there. I don't think there's any argument that could be made for regression at this time. And I really don't think he overperformed. So, you know, other than the argument that you presented, but I'm going to push back on that slightly. Um, Yes, he pounds the zone, but he pounds the zone early. You know, only 8% of his pitches were behind in the count. That's in the 96th percentile of starting pitchers. 33% of his pitches came on two strikes. It's 93rd percentile, and that's where he forces chases. Again, a 30% two-strike chase rate. That's a 93rd percentile. So, yeah, if you pound the zone, you're probably going to make more mistakes, but he's also using it to get ahead in so many counts, which has just been so productive for how he's become such a good pitcher. Mm-hmm. And from a more general sense, you know, so many trendy trendy pitchers that we analyze have distinct differences between their actual and expected results. Scooble doesn't. Uh, 2.8 ERA, 2.3 expected ERA. Uh, mm-hmm. 2 FIP, 2.5 expected FIP. A 199 expected batting average, 197 batting average, 238 um, expected uh, weighted on base average, 236 actual. So many pitchers that we analyze that are trendy have Babic or... Left on base luck. Scooble doesn't have that. So many have sequencing luck or they have just disgusting batted ball profiles that aren't panning out. Scooble doesn't. And so considering all that, I just don't see how Scooble can't continue to just throw supernova high heaters and low and away breaking stuff and continue riding his high strikeout, low hard contact profile, the great numbers. Now, that's how I feel. To play devil's advocate, though, and also to buy into your skepticism, I would say I have like three problems with my overall analysis. One, uh, injuries. He's <laughs> never produced a high usage, uh, amazing season, right? And mm-hmm. that spooks me. Uh, you know, it, how is he going to hold up? Can he? I think Steamer is the most aggressive projection on how many innings he'll pitch this year. I think it's 170. How yeah. likely is that? Can across 170 innings, are we really going to see a 2.4 ERA? Um, I'm not sure. You know, and another thing is home runs. You know, like I said, his home run avoidance has been amazing. He's not going to maintain a 7% home run to fly ball rate over a full sample size. He's done that in the last two injury shortened season. Mm-hmm. I'd probably project him closer to like a homer per nine as opposed to a half, which is where he's been sitting, which we'll dig into his ERA a bit. Um, and the biggest problem, which uh, Nick... Pollock, you know, our guy brought up in his um his um fantasy rankings. He hasn't shown his new look elite stuff to elite lineups yet. Uh his final sure. opponents last year were the Guardians, Cubs, Yankees, White Sox twice, Angels and Royals. He went to Fenway last year and allowed four runs on seven hits over five innings 
The Sox had seven batted balls over 100 miles per hour, 50% hard hit rate. Tristan Casas took him yard at 108 mile per hour for 400 feet on a hard cutting 88 mile per hour slider that he left hanging middle, middle, true mistake pitch, meatball of epic proportion, which, you know, he has been better at avoiding. His command was a little shaky in that start, if I remember. But then again, that was with, you know, that was with two runners on, one runner was unearned. So that skewed that start overall. I think he was actually okay aside from that, a bunch of ground balls. But still, can you do this against better lineups? And I'm not sure yet, but he's still going to pitch in the weak AL Central. He'll still benefit from Comerica. Uh, I'll take my chances. And, you know, after all, uh, Tariq, the name Tariq comes from the uh, the Arabic term strike, while scuba is really? a Czech meaning to tear up. So I don't know how you can't <laughs> love those intangibles from that guy. Yeah, that, that needs to go in the scouting report, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think what's interesting about Scooble when I when I bring up his ground ball rate is for some reason it reminds me of and I think it's because I did a deep dive on him a couple years ago of Logan Webb who also crazy high ground ball rate but he does it differently you know he doesn't have a fastball that plays off it he's more of a change up sinker guy Scooble is kind of earning these ground balls basically because like you mentioned these secondary pitches are playing off that fastball which is coming in at 96, 97. And so it's a little bit different of a makeup than like being a pure ground ball guy that, you know, Logan Webb is. Um, and so, yeah, he, he definitely has more of that strikeout potential than you kind of would expect to see from these guys that you generally label as, you know, ground ball pitchers and things like that. So, um, yeah, he, he's an interesting, uh, yeah, Scoobles an interesting case compared to that. Uh, you know, something I was, I found funny in my, when, diving deep into school, but I didn't really know how to quantify it. Um, mm-hmm. The ground ball rate on his fastball was 50%. Yeah. It's, it's kind of incredible. Actually. It was one of the things that stood out to me. 90. Yeah. Ni- that's 94th percentile. Um, yeah. He, he managed to get a lot of contact on it. Um, low and away from lefties, like hmm. low and away in the zone. And like, I think I, I was trying to like, I was trying to theorize that. I was trying to watch a lot of his pitches. Yeah. I thought a lot of time, you know, he would throw it there and and hitters would think that was the changeup coming and then they would be behind and they would just kind of like push it on the ground. But either way, like, yeah, like he's 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 generating just a, a ton of ground balls across his arsenal just from mm-hmm. the way he uses it and the way he approaches hitters. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, that was such a weird stat to see, like a 50 percent ground yeah. ball rate. On a and, fastball. And, yeah, and he, and he doesn't like, you know, like you said, like Logan Webb, you know, the sinker is a ground ball pitch. That's a ground exactly. ball. Yeah. Scooble throws a few, but he doesn't, he, he's not a sinker heavy pitcher. Yet that four seam, yeah. it's, you know, hitters are hitting it on the ground. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, if we really want to talk about the sinker, it's an 80, it's nearly an 80% ground ball rate, uh, granted on 12% usage. But yeah, the, the fastball, which he throws, you know, three times as much, that that's still generating some of those, those ground balls, which I... Yeah, it's really it's hard to um it's hard to really use the sinker as a um as a profile pitch for Scooble just because I think he he uses it in very specific circumstances, yeah. which is like mm-hmm. front front door to righties. Right. Um, I, w- I would like to actually look at exactly how often he throws it. Um, against actually, I could find that out right here. It is. Yeah, he threw it two hundred fifty times. He threw it over two hundred times to righties. So it's, it's, very, it's a very, yeah, it's a very, you know, specific use of mm-hmm. that. 
Well, this is a fantasy baseball podcast, so we are in the thick of draft season. Uh, because this is Scooball, we might go completely on vibes here, but we are going to play our favorite game of uh, who would you rather draft here. Uh, two pitchers and a 5x5 five five standard head-to-head league context, which means, yes, we do have to take into account the fact that um, he might need to get some wins as a pitcher. Uh, but you tell me who you'd rather draft here. Um, and, you know, we'll have some fun debate, I guess, depending if we differ. So uh, we're going to start off with Scooble versus George Kirby. So just a little caveat. Um, I'm not a fantasy baseball analyst. I'm actually not a very good fantasy baseball player. Um, yeah, but I, I joined, I joined <laughs> PitcherList um, primarily as a more general um, baseball analyst guy. But I love these games anyways. So I will give this my best shot. Mm-hmm. And my answer to your first question is George Kirby. And that is because Kirby's control is it's too good. Yeah. It, he's it's too good and he's a legit workhouse. He's pitched workhorse, excuse me. Pitched 320 innings across the past two seasons. Consistent low threes ERA, low one whip. Um the way he's able to manipulate at bats with just pinpoint location and just minimizes every mistake, the floor for him is just way too high. Mm-hmm. And he's a low variance guy who will produce too many quality innings and too many quality starts, um, especially with you know how few he walks he generates. You know, you can go, you can see who knows how many batters every start. Also, his va- his fastball velocity jumped last year too, so that's kind of scary. Um, overall, yeah, I, I, I think Scooble's floor is a little bit lower even though he has a higher strikeout upside. And 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 also, who knows, again, the injury thing with Scuba, like he's mm-hmm. not going to pitch as many innings as Kirby. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you here on Kirby just because, yes, more innings pitch. Frankly, he's probably going to get, he's going to get more wins uh, than Scuba, even though that's, you know, it's like what, probably maybe five more, five, six more wins. It's not necessarily a huge number. Um, but yeah, he's just, he knows how to, th- throw that ball exactly where he wants to, which I think is hilarious now that he's going to potentially add a knuckleball. I don't know if he was yeah. joking about that, but it would be pretty funny. Um, yeah, it, the, I think there's legitimate... I, I think we're both these guys, frankly. There's probably legitimate, you know, top 10 if everything works out sort of, you know, pitcher... Absolutely. Uh, ...upside. Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit easier for uh, for Kirby to get there compared to Scooble, but, you know, I think both those guys definitely... Um, if Scooble kind of keeps up that strikeout ability from him like it it's going to be hard to um see him not in that same tier as as kirby in a couple months yeah i you know my my conclusion to the deep dive piece was basically like i i think i, I think i'm buying stock in um scuba as like a top five potential pitcher i think that his his upside is that good and i actually think there's a reasonable chance that he continues doing exactly what he did last year but the floor is certainly lower than whatever george kirby will Mm-hmm. produced this year and you know the projections on scuba are a little shaky um but part of that is because a lot of those projection systems build in um his results from before he made all these mechanical and um arsenal adjustment changes so i, I don't really know if i could put as much stock into that still it if you know, if the home run rate goes up or if like you mentioned before, you know, teams sort of scout him differently after seeing him for 80 innings, I think that Scooble could, there's, there's a world where he could regress more so than Kirby will. Sure. All right. The next guy, uh, I find it kind of interesting 
if you just look at this based on zone rate, because Scooble extremely high zone rate, this next pitcher, um, low zone rate in Blake Snell. Um, so who do you got there? Yeah, you said it. Snell just, he does not produce enough strikes. I, w- I would take Scooble here. Um, look, Snell's whole high walk rate shtick is, is totally believable. Yep. I just, I don't know how, can he, can he really sustain this success for another 180 innings? Some, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, hasn't pitched 180 innings um, prior to last year since 2018. Yeah. He's, he's pushing 32 years of age, mm-hmm. no longer, or I don't, he hasn't signed anywhere yet. Nope. But, right. Yeah. So, but still probably won't have that Padres defense behind him. And I, I think he's, I think he's bound for a bit of a letdown post Cy Young year. If that makes sense. I think he could. Yeah. I, I just see it too often with pitchers where they just don't produce at the same level after winning that award. Um, I love Snell though. I, I cashed a 40 to one ticket on him to win Cy last year. So oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I would take Scooble in this one. Yeah. I think, it's it's interesting i was just looking at projections right before this and it's like snell is kind of slated to have like a pretty high number of, of strikeouts but again that that assumes health which mm-hmm. if we're being honest like if if both these guys are the toss up for health then i i'd kind of rather go for the younger guy than the than the 32 year old like you Absolutely. mentioned um yeah so for me i think i probably lean especially in this context where, you know, we don't know where Snell's going. Not that that should really impact his, his value that much. Yep. Um, but other than like, you know, the strikeouts potentially being higher for Snell. And even then it wasn't really like last year was kind of an aberration compared to the rest of his career because he just pitched more. Um, I do think I like the ceiling for, for Scooble a little bit more than I do for Snell. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and part of the thing about Scooble is um, it's fine to have um, injury doubts about him just because we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But you know we haven't seen it, so maybe he he starts to put together high high usage seasons. We've seen it from um, from Snell, who yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up right now because I looked at this before I hopped on. Who 120 innings in 2022, 120 in 2021, 107 yep. in 2019 before he pitched 180 in 2018, and then 120 in 2017. I mean mm-hmm. that. You know, if, if we go back to career averages, like I would expect him to, that's kind of where we should project him closer to, I would think. Right. Yeah. It, it's not like he is a, a model of health. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if all things equal, I think between the two, you chase upside and maybe a little bit mm-hmm. more sh- like you feel a little bit good about, about Scoobles health. You know, yeah, there was yeah. the Tommy John back in college, as you mentioned, and he was coming back from surgery last season. But other than that, he looked. He looked pretty decent. So I can, well, I, I also kind of like how you know he only he only pitched eighty innings last season. Yeah, how, he looked. He obviously was healthy, mm-hmm. and now he has a full off season to really recover. And yeah. if there was ever a time for him to finally put together that big, huge, high usage, high performance season, this would seem to be it. You know, as opposed to like say Sandy Alcantara who. Mm-hmm pitched 200 innings three years in a row and then blew out his arm. Like that's not where Scooble is. Scooble's in the complete opposite direction. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on from Blake Snell, we're going to go to another sort of, uh, you know, guy made of glass, uh, Tyler Glass now, uh, some pun intended, I guess. Uh, Elite stuff, obviously, but just can't stay healthy. Uh, Who are you taking here? This might be a hot take, but I like Scooble. Over Glass now, I think he'll have okay. a better season. Um, the injury concern is massive 
um, yeah. because he's never he never pitched more than 120 innings in a season. Yep. And even more um, potentially concerning, I, I think his he'll have pretty low usage in the Dodgers. You know, you know that's they they might run a six man rotation. Mm-hmm. They are known for um, not really taxing their arms throughout the season. Um, so who knows what his usage will be like? I don't. He probably won't be throwing every five days. You know, he's had some favorable um, Babbitt luck during over the last few seasons, like during three or four injury shortened seasons between 2019 and 2022, 262 across 200 innings. And in reality, you know, his batted ball profile is relatively mediocre, a 12% barrel rate last year. And he walks a good amount of batters, you know, 7% over the past five years or so. I, I think, you know, taking in, the entirety of um, the two's profile. I really think Scooble can outperform Glass now in the upcoming season. Sure. Yeah, I think if both guys were healthy, I think I have to go with Glass now just because some of the stuff metrics on him are insane. But His fastball is one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still remember. I think it was last year when Stuff Plus metrics came out. He was like the fourth best pitcher by Stuff, and it wasn't even close. Like the other three were like relievers or something ridiculous. I think like yeah. I think he checked in with a 128 last year, which yeah. I think might be second behind Strider. Oh sure. Yeah. 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 That, that would make sense. Um, but yeah, you build in context then into Glasnow, and it is a little weird because you know the reports are kind of coming out of you know the Dodgers camp that. Because Yamamoto, who's coming over from the MVP, uh, MPB to to MLB, they have a different pitching schedule in Japan where he was pitching, I think, on like every five days rest or something like that. And so like they were like, we're, we're going to slowly bring him along to like being on a, on a more major league schedule. You've got Glasnow, who has that injury history. It's the Dodgers. They're they're not going to rush anyone into you know, pitching as, as you know, much as they can. They still have Yep, exactly. <laughs> and he's coming back middle of the season. So yeah. that might end up, you know, pushing them actually to force them into a six-man rotation. Um, unless, you know, people get hurt, which is also a thing that happens with a lot of Dodgers pitchers. Um, and so just with that context, like even though he's, you know, currently projected for, I think PitcherList has him. Well, they have him at 142 innings pitched, about 170 strikeouts, which I think speaks to just how good that stuff is. But if you're only getting 142 innings of glass now, and let's just say you can get like 170, you know, let's not get too crazy about Scooble. Those 30 extra innings from Scooble like might actually be worth it. Um, currently, pitcher list the projections have him at 146, which you know we we said that 170 from Steamer, I believe, right? That that's pretty high. That's but high, I think high. I think if you're a betting man, you're probably going to say Scooble's likely going to throw more innings than Glass now. I I think that's. I feel like that's more likely. Absolutely. And if you look at actually the lower end of the projections for um for uh Glass now, I mean mm-hmm. the bat, the bat has a uh, 125 125 innings. Uh that would be so 150 strikeouts and 125 innings. That's mm-hmm. like that's like the lower end. And you know, I I don't know if Scoobles uh strikeout upside is that much lower than Glass now's. I mean, I you know, it's like the highest possible projection for Scooble, which I actually think might be a little low, is like 10 and a half per nine. And Glass okay. now sitting low 11s. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think I think they have, I mean, obviously, you know, Glass now's fastball is in a totally different uh, stratosphere. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think considering the entire arsenal, it might be a little, a little closer than we could think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think Scooble will probably throw more strikes overall. Sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely possible here. So, 
yeah, I think I think context uh, for this, uh, I'd probably go Scooble based on context, but I would love to hear more information out of Dodgers camp on how they plan on using mm, their pitching yeah, rotation. Um, all right, and finally, we kind of kind of teased him a little bit. Tarek Scooble versus Logan Webb, both massive ground ball pitchers, but also guys who have completely different approaches to how they uh, deal with pitching. I would take I would take Logan Webb over Scooble probably nine times out of 10. This he's just, he's one of the best workhorses in the game. Mm-hmm. He, he should hit 200 innings again. He might hit 200 strikeouts, even though he only has like, you know, a 22% strikeout rate just because, you know, pitches so much <laughs> Exactly because he forces so many ground balls. He works so late in the counts. And while he doesn't really have, you know, that third pitch, he's been using the best sinker changeup mix in the game for years as mm-hmm. a starting pitcher. And it's been effective. And I don't see that changing, you know, the changeup plays against both sides and generates a ton of strikes. The sinker returns a ground ball rate north of 60%. And with his extension, you just you never know which pitch is coming. So these batters, they just they can't tell the difference between the two pitches. It, you know, another high floor guy, I would say a, even a higher floor than like Kirby. And yeah, I, I just I can't bet against Logan Webb in this game. Yeah. I mean, I, I still remember so when I joined PitcherList, we had to write a sample article on, Lo- on Logan Webb, which is why I just know this much about him. It's it's mm-hmm. not that I love the Giants or anything, but he was coming off that hot kind of uh, playoff run and then was like, oh, is this guy like for real? And then he had that season, which was incredible. And then the season after that was like, yeah, it's a little bit of a dud. wasn't like as electric. And then last season he came back. He's like, no, I, I am that guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's hard to bet against that because yep. it 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 looks consistent. It, he knows what he can do and he, he does it very effectively. And he also does it for 200 innings, which, yep. you know, the, the, I know there's like a, there was a tweet from, I think Alex Chamberlain, like two years ago, where it was talking about Zach Wheeler. It was like the best way to predict like number of innings next year is how many innings you pitched last season. Also the best way to predict injury is how many innings you pitched last season as well. <laughs> you know, Sandy Alcantara is probably like the clearest example of like, Oh yeah, that, that, that bit us in the butt a little bit where he finally blew out his arm but logan webb i don't know he, he seems healthy enough and yeah there's been a couple blips here and there but nothing too significant to like make you worry about how he's pitching and it's not like he's like throwing fastballs that are like blowing out his arm or anything after all yeah. he's still you know it, the velocity on the sinker is still you know pretty decent but it's still just a sinker changeup mix at, at the end of the day um a little less torsion on the arm i guess but yeah, yeah that, I, he's the model of consistency and the difference between him and sandy is that sandy throws 99 mile an hour sinker fastballs and then a 92 mile an hour changeup. like yeah it's not exactly the greatest for the arm <laughs> yeah 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 and logan webb is still able to get results with the with the lower Absolutely. velocity so yeah. yeah well sorry to to be boring i guess in that we're pretty much selecting all the same players here but i you know i think i think that's kind of the fun things about these is you know trying to figure out you know where people fall and and you know why you pick one player over the other um if somehow we find out that dodgers go to a five-man rotation maybe glass now goes up in my ranks a little bit but yeah maybe um, well you yeah. know uh, great minds think alike yeah exactly <laughs> well obviously uh definitely check out tanner's article on uh Tarek Skubal because we we barely scratch the surface on on everything in there and all the, all the research that he did for this so definitely check it out a lot of good stuff in there um before we let you go tanner what's what's a way that people can follow you on social media and then what do you got coming up next uh, on pitch list yeah give me a follow uh, at tanner's truth on twitter that's t-a-n-n-e-r-s-t-r-u-t-h and um 
if you can um, try and check out the stuff that I write over at the Action Network. Uh, that's my full-time gig. And I'm always trying to get people to read more about it, especially now that we move into March Madness. And uh, next for me at Pitcher List is once uh, the tournament wraps up, I will have a weekly column out every week that I will share with my our beloved readers. And I can't wait to work more with the team here. I just think Pitcher List is an unbelievable site with unbelievable metrics and the way that they, the way that we like lay out and visualize the metrics in on those player pages is truly addicting. I've been using it for years. It's a beautiful site. So I'm really excited to work more with you and everyone else. Yeah. Glad to have you on. Uh, Thanks again for uh, coming on the show, Tanner. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks again to Tanner for that great interview. Definitely check out his article. I can't stress it enough. Uh, Reading through it and prepping for this interview, there was just a lot of information in there that we barely covered um, in this interview. So definitely check that out. Um, That's it for us today. Uh, We definitely are looking forward to getting back to our regular season schedule. Um, Again, we'll be posting every Saturday. So definitely check out us on your pitch list feed. If you want to find the podcast on Twitter, you can uh, look for our handle at ThisWeekPL, uh, or you can send your comments and questions at ThisWeekPLPod at gmail.com. You can find myself on Twitter at the John Ka, and you can find Lee at Regicidal. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the Pitcherless Podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. Lastly, sign up for Pitcherless Plus. By doing so, you can join us in the Pitcherless Discord and get advice from all the fantasy experts and writers over there. That's all for this week. We'll be back soon with another episode of This Week in Fantasy Baseball. For Lee, I'm John, and we'll see you in the next one. Later, everyone.